Hello everyone, this is Aru Sanchez with Converse with Anyone, Anywhere. I'm here with my co-host, Aliza Abramson. And I'm here with my co-host, Aru Sanchez. Oh yeah. Hey everyone, how's everyone doing? Hope you're all having a great day or evening or afternoon, wherever you are in this planet. I just hope everything's going well for you. What do you say? I hope so too. I hope that you are enjoying many blessings in your life and that you're living your life to the fullest. Well, we're very spiritual people. Clearly very uh, spiritual. Okay. <laughs> no, guys. <laughs> oh yeah, we're Buddhas. No, I'm kidding. Okay, now, guys, but today we're going to go over another way on how you can analyze people through communication and learn more about them. A lot of the uh, a lot of the past podcasts we've been just teaching different ways on how you can analyze people through communication and really get to know information that they probably particularly wouldn't tell you up front, but you can learn that from them through certain ways of communication, either body language or tonality or things they say or things they don't say. And then now from that point on, you can make a decision if you want to take that information and do something positive with it, yes or no. Now, today we're actually going to converse about getting to know people, analyzing people while they're in groups. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a huge debate on this. I know a lot of people who say yes, who say no, pros and cons. There's so much to talk about. At least it's going to start this off. What is your opinion that you learned yourself and also through studies, right, that show up people about you analyzing people when they're in groups. So this is a very, very controversial topic. Yes, I agree. Because a lot of people think that the best way to see how someone really truly is is by watching them in a group. Because that's when they're with their friends, that's where they let loose and they just act like they really are. I disagree with this. Because I think that groups have a lot of personalities involved. So in a group, there's a lot of different dynamics flowing around, right? Which means that there's a lot of pressure to uphold certain dynamics. For example, let's say, let's take um, like a, uh, what's an example of a group? Of a group? Yeah. You mean like a group of people? Yeah. Uh, of, let's say a group that's mixed with different types of cultures. Okay. Or, or a Canadian group. Okay, okay. I'm going to go with something a little bit more basic. Like, let's say you have a gangster group, right? Okay. You have the head honcho, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have the person below him, and then you have the people underneath him, right? Okay. Now, in this group, there's something called a hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. There's the person that's at the top, and there are the people that are down below. Now, what happens in this group if someone is coming to visit the group, potentially become part of the group, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see the head honcho is acting super super tough and masculine and like in charge and everything right Mm -hmm. that seems right that seems like that's his job but then you see him going and um he's hang he's hanging out with the same group of people and then all of a sudden he starts asking everyone for advice and he starts letting people walk over him and everything like that what's gonna happen to this guy's position in the group if he lets everyone walk over him He's going to get eaten alive symbolically. Exactly. He's no longer going to be the head of that group. So when you're in a group, there are certain roles that you need to play. There are certain roles that you need to enact. For example, there's this thing called the Stanford Prison Exam. Yes, I've heard of it. Uh, experiment. Yes, exactly. Um, so what happened in that is that basically um, these group of people came together for a psychological experiment that took place in Stanford's basement the college and people were randomly assigned the roles of guards and the roles of prisoners what ended up happening is that people really really assumed these roles to a deep level like the guards 
became really, really inhumane to the prisoners because they thought that they were better than the prisoners. Um, They started beating them. They made them do very humiliating things. Like they made them take off their clothes and pretend to be animals. And they did like a lot of really messed up things simply because they had a role to uphold. So in groups, you can't help it. You get a role. Now, the longer that the group has been around, the more that role is cemented in you. So when you come into a group and you want to analyze a person based off of the group, you're not analyzing that person, I would say. You're analyzing the role they have in the group instead. What do you think, Aurus? Like you mentioned in the beginning, it's very controversial, right? I have in the past tried to analyze people through communication when they're in a group. Mm -hmm. Now, I agree with what you're saying that there are different roles in different groups. I don't think this is always the case. I do not think. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of times, I think it's a 60-40. I think 60% of the times you can't analyze someone in a group, 40% chance you cannot do it. Because it's true, sometimes there are certain groups, like you mentioned, where there are roles and you know you try to put up a front and you try to act and you try to do this and you know, you're not really being your true self so you can't analyze someone. But I believe... That a lot of times when you're in a group, I think it just depends. If you're, if you're with like your best buddies, your best friends, yeah, I can see what you're saying. But I don't think, I don't think that because a lot of times when you're with like your best friends or people you're really close to, you're just chilling and you're just hanging out. And no matter if you're a CEO or if you're like a janitor or whatever position you are, and no matter whoever you're trying to analyze, we're all humans. We're trying to connect, as we know. That's obvious, right? But... When you're just hanging out with your best friends, with your girlfriends, or your best friends, your buddies, right? Stuff like that. You're more chill. You're, you feel more at ease. Like, you can open up more. And you can, and a lot of times, their true personality comes out. Like, maybe if you're always trying to be nice and stuff like that. But when you're with your friends, you're, like, more, more of a jerk, probably. Because maybe that's truly who you are. It's not because you're trying to act. Because it's probably, probably who you truly are. Because, yes, one-on-one, you can definitely study someone. Yes. But a lot of times, if it's the beginning stages... Of like you getting to know more of your boss, you getting to know more of coworkers, or just someone you're trying to get to know more. It's difficult because a lot of times you're trying to show, present a certain image because maybe you want something from that person or you want to present yourself a certain way. When it's a one-on-one, it's even easier to do that. But when, when, when you're in a group, right, all these personalities come into play and you get so into it, especially if you're close to them. You get so into it that you forget that you're trying to uphold a certain persona and stuff like that. It's like, you know, they always say it's easier to control your facial gestures and your hand gestures, but it's harder to control your leg and your ankle uh, subconscious body language things because it's further away from your brain the closer it is closer to a closer uh, a part of your body is to your brain is easier to control because it's e- just easier it's easier to, to, to send signals to your brain but a lot of times for example if i always do this this is just a quick non sequitur guys this is a quick thing if you're ever in a group or you're talking to someone right if you want to see if they're really with you one-on-one or or maybe they just really just want to leave the conversation, a good thing to look at, it's not 100%, but a good thing to look at, look at their ankles. Are they pointing towards an exit? Are they pointing towards the door? Yes. I'm not making this up. This is in, in, in a book called A Definitive Book of Body Language. Guys, look it up. It's definitely in that book. There's been studies. I did not make this up. I'm not that smart. It's literally in that book. Look at their ankles. Subconsciously, because it's so far away from the brain, 
subconsciously, yes, I, at least I know you're giving me faces right now, but it's the truth. Subconsciously, and I know you probably have a lot to say now, just give me a second. Let, let, let me finish my thoughts, okay? Uh, basically, their feet are pointing towards not towards you, but away from, from the convo. If you ever look at someone who's really attracted to someone, who's really engaged, your entire body language is, is facing that person. You're open towards that person, right? But if you're trying to control it, and like, but you really want to leave, but you don't really want to show it off, according to that book, which has very good sources, it says that your feet start to point away from the person, right? But going back, because this, this is not what this podcast is about, right? That a lot of times... <laughs> I have so much to say. All right, calm down. Calm, calm down. Don't worry. Okay. You'll get to it. That basically, I do agree with you, mm-hmm. but then I also don't agree with you. I think you just have to study the situation and see if this person is trying to play a role in the group, yes or no. There's definitely ways of doing that. But I don't always agree with what you say. I do think you could study someone legitly based on what's happening during the group because a lot of times they'll just get so involved with it, they won't, then they'll, they'll forget of trying to put up a front and you will truly see their true personality. Again, it's very controversial, but uh, please fill us in with, with your thoughts because the audience definitely wants to hear this. Um, I think that you made a couple of good points, um, but my answer is going to be twofold. First of all, um, oh no. In terms of the the group versus analyzing individually, when you're in a group setting, true or false, do most people care what other people think of them? True. True. So if you're in a group, are there more people or less people? There's more people. More people. So that means there's more likelihood that you care what someone in that group thinks of you, correct? Versus one-on-one. Yes and no. Ah, it's yes or no. It's both. This is a numbers thing. If there are more people, it's more likely that one of those people you care about, that what they think of you, right? I guess so, yes. So that means there's more of a chance that you have to put up some kind of act for this person, right? For the, for the group? In a group, you're more likely that there's someone there that you care what they think of you and you have to act a certain way for them. Not always, but yes. Not, but not always. This isn't an always situation. It's okay. are you more likely in a group versus one on one? Okay. Okay. Now, what I'm not I'm not saying that every single group, everyone's putting on a role. I'm saying that it's more than likely that there is a role you're putting on. You might not realizing it, but there is a role. Now, this could also be a slight gender thing because girl friendships have a lot more dynamics involved than guy friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know, for example, for me, like even with my closest friends, there is still a bit of like you have to put a little bit of effort in. For example, like let's say you're with a, girl, a group of girls, right? And you're all going out and you're all hanging out and one girl decides to try on an outfit and you really just think it's the ugliest outfit in the world but everyone else in the group thinks it's really really nice and she already bought it and you're not going to be contributing anything by saying that it's really ugly you say that it's nice and you move on. Mm-hmm. That's putting up a front because you're in a group, right? Whereas if you're one-on-one and she's asking you for your opinion, you can sit there and you you feel less pressure from the rest of the group to say that it's nice and you can give your thoughts a little bit and you can put it in a way that it's constructive. That's like one example. Um, but in terms of 
analyzing a person, I really don't think that you're going to get the most authentic analyzation in a group setting. I think that if you have the skills to create an environment where someone is comfortable with you, that you're not going to judge them, that you're not going to um, lash out at them if they say something ridiculous or say something that you don't agree with, that's when you'll really get to know a person. Because you're in control of that situation. You're in control of what that environment feels like. When you're in a group, there are way too many things flying around in order for you to control every element of it or how someone else feels. But if you're just talking with someone one-on-one, your entire attention is on them. You're not focusing and seeing if someone else gave them a look that's causing them to act weird. In a group, you have to keep an eye on what everyone's doing. When you're just by yourself with this other person, you only have to focus on them. It's a lot easier to analyze them then. So that's just that point. Um, So I'm not saying that it's impossible to analyze a person in a group. I'm just saying it's really difficult and there are so many factors flying that you don't even know if the logic of... Okay, so let's say you decide you're analyzing someone in a group, right? Mm -hmm. And they do something and you say, oh, this is because they are insecure about this, right? You decide that based off of a group setting. You don't know... There's no way for you to know every factor that occurred in that group for you to determine that's the reasoning. You can only know a fact that happened. You can't understand the why in a group. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense, yes. In terms of the feet thing, the ankles thing, I've heard that rumor many, many times. I've never actually... It's not a rumor, guys. I've never researched it. But I have on many instances in my life seen that that's not true. I've seen it with myself and I've seen it with others. So... In my opinion, guys, I wouldn't I wouldn't put a lot of stock in the ankles and foot thing. But Aoudu seems to have it researched and he says that there is a source. So maybe we can settle this in the next podcast once we've both researched it a little there bit more. There is a book on it called The Definitive Book of Body Language. Yes, but where is that author's source? Well, buy the book or get it at the library and all the sources are actually in the back of the book, actually. Tell you what, let's do this. Everyone who listens to this, try it out. And then let us know in the comments below. Yes, yes. Let us know in the comments below. I'm not saying I trust it 100% because when it comes to body language, you need a clusters of signs, right? Mm-hmm. But that is definitely one that I do look for. But the reason why people don't really believe it is because it's so minimal and subconscious. People don't think about it. And you're like, that's ridiculous. It's what you think, but it's not. But it's just a cluster of signs. Again, I'm not putting 100% mm-hmm. on it. Not 100%. Of course not. Because then again, it's like if someone has their arms crossed, does that mean that they're having, does that mean like they're trying to lie or does that mean like, you know, they have closed by language? No, it could just mean they're cold. Right. Also, like another factor for like the ankles could be like for like maybe their shoes are uncomfortable and if they point their feet this way, then it's comfortable for them. Okay, now you're making up stuff, guys. No, uh, I've now done she's that. A, oh, you've done that. Well, only her. Only she's done this. Right, come on. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, yeah. Check out the book. It's a very good book. It has a lot of actually good signs. It's very good. But then again, this topic is very controversial. Very controversial. I do think it's like 50 50, 51 49. It falls between that ballpark 60 40. It's between that. I do think it depends. Um, it depends on who you're trying to analyze, who they are, who are they with at the moment. And it also depends on who, who you are and what you're looking for and why you're trying to study them. I just think it depends on all that stuff. And then you can make your choice. Would you rather look at them in a group setting or would you rather look at them one-on-one? Like, 
a very a very common Hispanic uh, thing, maybe in European culture, you tell me, is they always say is that if you're trying to get married and let's say you're courting someone, look at how that person treats their mother or father, and depending on how they treat them is how they're going to treat you. I'm not saying it's 100% true, uh, but it's very common in the Hispanic community. Uh, um, but then again, that entails you studying them in a group setting when they're with their parents. I believe that if it's more than two people, it's not just two people anymore. It's a, either a big group or a small group, but it still has the word group in it. Um, so I've heard that also. Um, oh, so it's like an international thing. Yeah, it's an international thing. Um, but the one thing I did want to mention is that what I do think that you can analyze 100% in a group setting is if someone does something egregious or immoral or mm, wrong in a group okay. setting, those are facts, right? Um, that you can kind of see as a red flag and be like, okay, this is not something I want to associate with, or this is something that, um, is really wrong. Things like that. Like facts, I do think you can analyze a lot from okay. facts. Yes. All right, then. This was a very good, uh, debate. Yes. This one was more debatey. It's good. It's good. Good guys. Thank you so, so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Hopefully you guys can check out the book and also make your own decisions if it's better one-on-one or better in group or maybe do a little bit of both and you and then you let us know in the comments or let us know which one you guys thought was more effective we'd really appreciate that any last words Aliza? yes please share this uh podcast with your friends or anyone you think that it would be useful for or just someone who you think they would just be interested in it thank you guys and keep listening to our our upcoming episodes on how you can analyze people through communication and learn so much more about them that they necessarily would not tell you directly guys thank you guys so much i really appreciate it thank you for listening to another episode of converse with anyone anywhere and of course guys till next time